Amen. There's a lot of great things happening at North Park. It's just a great season. Uh, as you prepare to kind of receive the word today, you can turn with me in your Bible um, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you have your smartphone, um, you can pull out your Version Bible app and hit the live event button in the menu, and all of the scriptures are going to be right there for you today. I'll give you a, a, just a second to find all of those things. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to be in verses 6 um, through 11, and as you're finding that, let me remind you that on February the 2nd, which is a Sunday after one thing, we're going to do what we're calling Vision Sunday, and we're going to spend that entire day doing three things. We're going to celebrate what God has done in 2019. Uh, we're going to anticipate uh, what it is we sense him wanting to do in our church family and, and kind of look forward to this coming year. And then the third thing is really prayerfully consider how you would participate in all of that. So I tried to find words that end with eight. So we're going we're gonna to celebrate, we're going to anticipate, and we're going to participate, right? That's a good pastor right there who's trying to alliterate. And so... <laughs> Oh, that was accident, and that was pretty good. Yes. So, so that's next week. Let me also tell you, we've been kind of in a series of live webinars during the week. Um, this past Tuesday, we did a live webinar called How to Study Your Bible. We had about 75 people who, who jumped online and, 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 and gleaned from that experience. This coming Tuesday, we're going to go at it again. Tuesday at noon, uh, you can just sit at your computer, and I'm going to talk on the topic, How to Pray Bold Prayers. We've been talking a lot about prayer and fasting. And maybe you would say, I don't really know how to do this. And so we're just going to get really grassroots and I'm going to talk to you about uh, what, what the Lord has taught me through the years on how to pray bold prayers. Now, let me just tell you, if you can't watch it at that time, if you'll go ahead and register for the webinar, it'll send you a link where you can watch the replay and maybe even share that with some friends and family too. To register for that, just go to anthonybraswell.com and look for the icon um, and, and it'll be on all of our social media outlets this week. So we just got a lot of stuff going on. So make sure you're paying attention. It's a really exciting time to be a part of North Park Church. And, and I want you to plug in and grow as, as we grow together. And as soon as this message is over, I'm going to have about 25 alerts because some of you are registering for it right now. You can wait till after the service of our promise. So, so we've been in this series um, called Maybe This Year. And the whole preface behind this series is, what if this were your year to really experience breakthrough in some different areas of your life. Um, we, we talk a lot about dreaming big. Uh, I want to dream big, but the reality is I don't want to just dream. I want to experience the reality of my dream. I want to live in the reality of that dream. I don't want to just hope that something's going to happen in my life. I want us to get to a point where we begin to experience these things that we're praying bold prayers about, you know? So maybe this would be your year for healing. Maybe this would be your year to grow spiritually strong. Maybe this would be your year to find true freedom in your life. What is it that you want to see God do in your heart and in your life, in your family, and even in our church? And there's this one biblical truth that we just keep coming back to because it seems to apply to every area that we're talking about. And, and here's the biblical truth, and I want you to write it down if you haven't done so because it's very important. And here it is. Small steps over time lead to big results. 
Now, whatever it is you want to see God do in your life, I would bet you that 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 biblical truth would apply. That small steps over time can lead to big results. And I know most of us, it's the overtime part that gets us. Because I've often said that time feels like the enemy of our dream. I mean, there's something that we want to see happen in our life. And the longer that it takes, and the further it seems to get pushed back, the more frustrated we become and then that temptation to give up kind of creeps in and the reason is is we are elevator people we like to step in an elevator hit a button and then just like magically everybody do that together on the count of three I really want to see you all do this this is going to be amazing already one two three right we just want it to happen like that but there's very few times in our life where things happen one two three <laughs> that is so fulfilling to me to see that in, in you. The rest of the message, we're just going to do that, okay? One, two, three. But most things happen step by step, right? We have to walk up a flight of stairs to get where it is that we want to go. But the reality is we often, our destination when we take the stairs, we're much stronger than when we jump in the elevator, hit the button, and one, two, three. Okay, there was three of you. We're losing you. Small steps over time can lead to big results. And I think that that even applies to our personal finances. And there we go. Everybody just got tense. One, two, three. <laughs> and some of you are like, man, I walked this church the first time this dude is going to talk about money. Oh, awesome. One, two, three. <laughs> Let me just tell you, if, if, if it wigs you out that we talk about money, here's what I want you to know. You don't know us very well. Uh, I want you to know my heart. This is no guilt and nobody's going to manipulate you. We don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. And so today we can talk about personal finances because God's word talks about personal finances and everybody can relax. One, two, three. Here's a question for you. What if the Holy Spirit spoke to you about a legitimate need that you wanted to respond to? I mean, just imagine that the Holy Spirit just puts this need right in front of your face and you want so desperately to respond and do something about it. Here's the question. Could you respond? Would you respond? I had a mentor years ago. He just like hammered this thought into my heart. Are you financially free to do God's will for your life? Are you financially free to do God's will for your life? And really, that's the thought today, is maybe this year you would be in a position where you would be financially free to do God's will for your life. I want you to consider these thoughts about Jesus' ministry, okay? If, if we're talking about money today, Jesus talked about money more than heaven and hell combined. That's kind of crazy to me. And he also talked about money more than anything else other than the topic of the kingdom of God. And if you begin to look at Jesus' teachings, you know, Jesus taught in parables, which are just stories. He was a storyteller. Here's what I found. That 11 out of 39 parables talked about money and possessions. And so if I was going to talk about money and possessions as much as Jesus did, I would have to preach on it about every fourth week, right? This was important to him. And that kind of leads us to this thought. Why would Jesus take so much time to talk about our personal finances, money and possessions? Why 
would he do that? And I think this is why. Because he knew that our money has the potential to do one of two things. Either it can consume us, control us, or destroy us, or it could cause us to draw closer to him than we've ever been. Now, let's talk about how we can do that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 9, verses 6 through 10. This is what it says. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and this is what he says. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, everybody say generously, will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, don't give out of fear. Don't give out of manipulation. Instead, he says, I I want you to just, just give cheerfully. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over for what? To share with other people. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. A few weeks ago we talked about legacy and the fact that we're not trying to live forever. That's not the goal. The goal is to create something that will outlive us. And he says that that when you give generously, then your good deeds will be remembered forever. That's legacy. For Verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So this idea of generosity is a biblical concept that we see over and over in Scripture. Now, let me give you three things that I think the Bible teaches us about generosity. And you, Bible note takers can write this down. Here's the first thing. Generous giving to God leads to generous blessings from God. Now here's what I want you to see. We don't ever want to put ourselves in a position where we are giving in order to receive something, right? It's about giving cheerfully. And, and, and when we have the opportunity to bless others with our time and our talent and our resources, when we have the opportunity to be generous, there is this blessing that comes back to us. You know, we, we often use this phrase, it's better to give than receive. I, and I, I heard a, a pastor one time talking about the fact that, that he, during the holiday season, came across a man, it was a very cold day, and and, and the guy needed a coat, and, and he was cold, and so the pastor in that moment just takes his coat off, and he just gives it to this man, and he said the Holy Spirit in that moment just really hit him. This is why it's better to give than receive. It's so much better to be on the giving end than to be on the receiving end. And I know when we think about Christmas, we all say it's better to give than to receive. Well, we all like getting presents. Let's just be honest. You can be all spiritual if you want. Everybody likes to receive a nice gift from somebody that they love. We like to receive. When it comes to generosity and we talk about people who are really in need and really need somebody to come alongside of them and in order to bless them and in their life. Man, it truly is so much better to be on the giving end than just the receiving end. So generous giving to God leads to generous blessings from God. Here's the second thing. Generosity, it is not a money issue. 
And, and, and really, in honesty, I, I said we're talking about finances today. I, I don't even think we're talking about money as much as we're talking about our heart. I think generosity is an issue of our heart. It's the position of our heart. Is our heart in a position to be generous? And then here's the third thing, and this is such a big thing for me. I truly believe that we are blessed by God to be a blessing. I heard somebody say this past week, you know, I, I, we, we, here's the thing. We, we so often compare ourselves to everybody else, right? And, and you look at people, you sit at the stoplight and you look over and this past week, literally, I, 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 was, I was sandwiched in between two Jaguars, you know, and I thought, man, what a crazy city we live in. You know, there, I see cars all the time. I don't even know what that car is. You know, I grew up in a town where everybody drove a Chevy, a Ford, or a Toyota, right? That was it. And, and, and I thought, man, it's so, we're so quick to kind of look at somebody else and say, look what they have, I don't have that. And, and all of a sudden, that comparison becomes our cancer to contentment, right? But the reality is, if you make even minimum wage, all right, if, if, you, if you make minimum wage, you are in the top 97% of the wealth of the world. Let that sink in for a second. Because we would say, man, we just want to, I want to be wealthy. You are wealthy. If you live in America and, and you have a house that you live in and there's a roof over your head and, 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 and you have transportation and the ability to go from one place to another and, and you have income coming in, like we, we are some of the wealthiest people on the planet, like in the top 97% of the world's wealth. Think about that for a second. And so why is it that we've won the geography lottery, right? Why is it that we are in a position that we are so blessed? I think God has blessed us. He's blessed you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. So the bottom line is, let's be generous. But that leads us to a question, right? And here's the question. What number is generous? What, what, what are we talking about? Like, what makes us generous? Okay, well, let's, let's look at what the Bible says. And, and there's a biblical standard that we call tithe. And if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this word before. And, 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 and a tithe is simply this. It's 10% of my income giving back to God. And I started thinking this week, why 10? Why, why is it not like four? Or why is it not seven or eight or even 15? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's no explanation for that. But I think what God knew was that we needed a guide that would help us take steps toward generosity. But here's what I want you to see about a tithe. There's a little misconception here. I, a tithe is not just 10%. A tithe is the first 10 now let me show you how this got started. In Genesis chapter 4, we read this really cool story. I don't know if it's a cool story or not, but it's, it's, a, it's a really eye-opening story. And, and it says now, um, so Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. And in and, and, and verse um, 2, it says, When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. 
And look at this. It says, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and looked dejected. Now, when I, when I was a kid, this is literally what I thought. I literally thought that Cain's gift was rejected because he gave vegetables and Abel gave meat. I really did. And I thought the only conclusion from that was God does not want us to be vegetarians. He wants us to be meat eaters. As a kid, that's all I could think about. It's like, poor Cain. Like, like he, 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 he gave the wrong gift. It's not about what he gave, okay? It has everything to do with a few words that you see in there. It says that Cain gave some of his crops. And what did Abel do? Gave his first, right? He gave the firstborn. And so he gave the best. And so when we use this word tithe or, or, or first fruits, I think what we're saying is, is that the first 10% shows honor to God, I think it shows priority and it shows trust in God. My daughter and I had a, a discussion the other day about what the first day of the week was. And I said, what do you think the first day of the week is? Well, what would you say the first day of the week is? One, two, three. Some of you said Sunday, some of you say Monday. I specifically set my calendar, and I don't say you need to do this, but I specifically set my calendar so that Sunday is the first day of the week and Saturday is the last day of the week. And the reason that I do that is because what do we do on Sunday? We come to the house of God. We come to worship. The first thing I do when I get up on a Sunday morning is I get my coffee and I get my Bible and I sit down and I start my Sunday morning just really seeking the Lord. And so in my mind, I, in, in my mind, my perspective is I want to look at Sunday as the first day of the week. I'm going to tithe the first day of my week and I'm going to give it to God. Does that make sense? And that's just a perspective that I have. And, and, and I want everything that I do to give God, I want to give to God what's his first. And, and, and Saturday is kind of a Sabbath for me, right? So I, I get to enjoy being with my family. So that's kind of how I end my week. So I just think in terms of tithes as being the first fruits that we give to God. I had a friend one day, he kind of took this to the extreme, and, and he had the cable guy who came to install something at his, at his house. And when the guy came to install, um, he didn't realize it, but he had to write them a check for, for some of the work that they did. And, and the guy said to him, uh, I'm going to need you to make a payment before I leave. And he stopped, and he thought, man, I just got paid, but I haven't paid my tithes yet. And, and I'm not, and, and, his, and his thought process, I'm not going to write another check to anybody else until I give God my first fruits. And he said, sir, you're just going to have to wait a second. And he went and jumped online, paid his tithes online before he would come back and write this guy a check. Why did that matter to him? Because he wanted to show honor to God, that God was his priority, and demonstrate his trust in a God who is the most generous of all. But here's what I've come to understand, and I think this is going to be really important for some people in the room today, and, and this, is, this is what I, I really want to invest in your life, okay? I believe that most of us in this room really have a desire to live a life of generosity, but most people think they just can't afford to do so. And I, I would dare say, a lot of us would fall into that category. If I was just financially free, then I would be more generous. If I just could afford to do that, I would be more generous. 
I'm struggling as it is to pay my bills. I'm struggling as it is to provide for my family and you're wanting me to give something away. I don't even have enough to take care of the needs that I have in my own life, much less worry about somebody else's. But if I had more, if, 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 I was, if I was a little bit more responsible here in this area, then, then I could afford to be more generous. I think we all have a heart to be more generous. But the problem is, is we are carrying around some weight in our life. Uh-oh, he's back to the weights. If you missed last week, I carried weights around the entire service for the most part. To demonstrate what Hebrews 12 says, that, that, that we have some weights that are in our lives that we're carrying around. And Hebrews tells us to cast aside the weights that we're carrying around. And for some of us, the weight that we're carrying around is debt. It's not financial freedom. Man, we're enslaved to our debt. We're enslaved to our choices. And, and some of us, we want to be free and we want to worship, but the reality is we feel like we're so in bondage to this debt that we carry around. And no matter what you do, it impacts every decision that we make. Right? Somebody says, hey, let's go do this. And the first thing you think is, I'd really love to do that. Ah, I don't feel like I can. Well, what if we went and had this experience? Ah, I got this debt. You know, I, I remember the first time I went to Disney World. It was years ago. And, and, and my kids were really small. And, and, and I, was, I was sitting on the monorail. I'll never forget this experience. And, and I was sitting on this monorail. And I overheard, because I'm nosy and I eavesdrop. I overheard the guy behind me talking. And this is what he said. This is the best vacation that I've ever experienced in my life. And the guy beside him said, wow, because it's Disney? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. He said, this is the first vacation that I've ever paid cash money for. And he said, so I've been able to enjoy freedom on this vacation and not have to go back home and worry about how I'm going to pay for it when I get home. Because, see, that's how a lot of people live. It's like, I'm going to do these things, and then later I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to pay for it. But the reality is we have this weight on our shoulder that just keeps us from living life free, financially free to do God's will for our life. What if this was your year? What if this was the year that you figured out how to lay aside that weight and put yourself in a position to be financially free to do God's will for your life? Now, this is not a Dave Ramsey talk, although probably some of us could use that. But here's, here's what I want to point you to. Small steps over a period of time lead us to big results. So here's what I want to do. I want to point you to some resources that I think can help you. Every week as we've gone through this series, I've given you resources that will take you deeper into some of these topics. Now, if you, if you do know Dave Ramsey, he's written some great material on how to be financially free. And I'd encourage you to go that way. But there's another one that I think is a really important one. And we had Joe Sangle who was with us years ago, and, and many of you um, um, were a part of our financial learning experiences and, 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 and found financial freedom. I had one person tell me um, after that experience, um, just really applying these financial principles, and, and this is what he said. He said, out of everything that this church has invested in my life, helping my family financial freedom was the most important thing that you've ever done for our family. Why? Because he was sick and tired of carrying that weight around. And, and this is a great book. It's, it's called, I, I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. 
and, and there's a great website called IWasBrokeNowImNot.com. And, and this is not a plug for, for Joe Sangle's stuff. It's, it's just a great system, and it works. And there's a lot of free tools on that website that will help you develop a financial plan. And here's what I discovered. Everybody wants this freedom, but not many people actually take the steps to find that freedom. I came across the statistic that two out of three Americans have no plan for making sure that they spend less than they make on a month-to-month basis. They don't have a budget. And maybe that's because you don't know how. And so I would encourage you to go to this website, download his resources. It's an Amazon purchase of about $15 if you want that book. If you can't afford that book, you let me know. I'll give you one. I've got copies. And, And I think these are great tools to help you take steps Small steps over time lead to big results. And here's the other thing we'll do. We have financial counselors that would love to sit down with you and help you figure this out. No shame, no guilt, no manipulation. We care enough about you that we would love to sit down with you and just say, here's some steps that you can take so that you can find financially freedom. And, And here's the bottom line. What if this was your year? What would you be able to do as a family if you had that weight finally off your shoulders? I think it comes down to two questions, and I'm going to close with these two questions. Here's the first one. Can God trust me? And I'll go ahead and give you the next question. We'll dive in here in just a second. Can I trust God? I mean, when it comes to our resources, I think the first question is, can God trust me with what he puts in my hands? Because the bottom line is, I believe that money, I believe it competes with God for lordship over our lives. I told you at the beginning of this year, you would hear me say something every single week, and here it is, you're going to hear it again. Jesus loves you and wants a personal relationship with you. And he doesn't want anything to stand in the way of that relationship. And Matthew 6 and 21 says this, it says where your treasure is, that that's where your heart's going to be. It's not the opposite. It doesn't say where your heart is. Well, that's your... No, no. It says where your treasure is, what you value in your life. That's where your heart's going to be. We, we like watching crime shows, you know? You know, we, we, we love those shows that start off with a good... Well, well somebody usually gets killed. And, and then the rest of the show is, is, is trying to figure that out. I think I get that from my mom. Uh, my dad, my dad loves a good Hallmark movie. I was talking to my mom one day, and she was like, I don't know why he likes those Hallmark movies. Now, if you know my mom, she's a praying saint of God. She's about this tall, and she loves Jesus, and she's so dignified and so full of grace. And this is what my mother said. She said, you know what? I think I would like Hallmark movies if right before they kissed and they did that at the beginning, somebody shot him and they spent the rest of the time trying to figure out who did it. I'm like, mom, you need counseling. That, that is so violent. But, but they, what do they always say on those shows? Common theme. If you want to find the truth, what do you follow? You follow the money, right? You follow the money. In the same way, if you want to know what you truly value in your life, what you truly worship, follow the money. And I think where you spend your money determines what you truly value. Now, listen to these stats. I was actually shocked by some of these statistics. Only 5% of people who call themselves followers of Jesus tithe. 5%. Christians are giving about 2.5% of their income today. And, and, and this surprised me. During the Great Depression, they were giving 3.3%. 
So even when our economy is booming, people tend to giving less and less than, than they were in times where, where it wasn't a time of plenty. But here's something that got me. Three out of four people who don't go to church or call themselves followers of Jesus make donations to nonprofit organizations. Three out of four. And I thought, wow, that's 75%. Is it possible that people who don't have a relationship with Jesus are demonstrating more of a heart of generosity than we are who do? That got me. And then the average adult who gives to a church about $17 a week. And, and then here's, here's another. 37% of regular church attenders never give a dime to the church. Now, does that stuff alarm you? And, and here's, here's the thing that, that I want to see. What if we took that for first one? Only 5% tithe. What if we applied that to anything else that Jesus taught? What would it be like? What if we said only 5% of people who call themselves Christians pray? Only 5% of people who call themselves followers of Jesus read their Bible. Only 5% share their faith. Only 5% are faithful to their spouse. And it really comes down to this idea. If we aren't being faithful with what God has placed in our hands, then why would he trust us more? Can God trust us? And here's the second question. Can I trust God? Because the reality is, I can only think of a few reasons why we don't become generous people. And, and the first one is this, is selfishness. And I don't think any of us would fall in the category of selfishness. I just refuse to believe that. I think it really comes down to debt, which we've talked about. And I think it comes down to fear. That if I step out and I, and I do this and, and I become generous with my finances, then I fear that I'm not going to have the resources that I need to actually take care of the things that are in my life. Yet here's what Paul wrote. We read that verse of scripture. God generously provides everything that you need. Like he's the one who gives the seed and then he gives the bread to eat in the same way. We can trust God that he will provide and increase your resources that will produce a great harvest of generosity in your life. We say it all the time. He is a God who can be trusted. And we will trust him with all of these other areas of our lives. We trust God to save our loved ones. We trust God to heal our bodies when we're sick. Why is it that when it comes to our finances, we struggle to trust God with that area of our life? And it even says right there on our money, what does it say? In God we trust. Can God trust me to be a good steward of what he's placed in my hands? And can I trust God to meet my needs when I when I do. You know, let me, let me just kind of take some pressure off. It feels tense in the room, okay? God isn't mad at you. If this is an area where you're kind of struggling a little bit, let me just say this. He's not mad at you. Like, he's not angry at you. Like, he's not sitting around going, why don't I get this together, right? But there's something that he wants for you. And, and let me also say this, just so we're clear. Like, giving doesn't get you into heaven. I mean, if you gave 100% of what you have coming in, man, that's not going to get you into heaven. You got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm also not saying that when you don't live your life with generosity, that somehow that's going to keep you out of heaven. But here's what I do think. I think you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. 
You know, God says in his word, you know, not to test the Lord your God, except in the area of finances. That's the one area where God says, go ahead and try it. And just watch what I might do in your life. He says, test me in this. And, and, and I, I just, I wish that we had time to just bring people up on stage and let them share with you the stories of how God has overwhelmed them when they've responded in obedience, faithfulness, and generous, generosity in, in this area of their life. It's just amazing the stories that people tell me. I'll tell you a, a very recent one for our family. Um, a few months ago, um, I guess just a couple of months ago, we felt the Holy Spirit speak to us a, about a need in the area of generosity and, and something that we felt like we needed to respond to. And, and, and it's our common practice that when God speaks, we do that immediately. Because if we don't respond immediately, what typically happens is we talk ourselves out of it, right? And, and so we just respond immediately. And we did that. And we led with generosity. And we tried to do so with a cheerful heart. And, and, and we didn't sit around thinking, well, what if we had this money? Or what could we have done with that? If we didn't give that, we could have done this. Like none of that. We just responded. We felt like God sp- spoke. We talked about it. We, we were in agreement. And, and we just did it. We were generous and then we didn't really talk about it again we didn't think about it again I didn't lay in bed wishing I had it back like none of that we just responded with generosity fast forward and most of you know that, that we've been going through a cancer battle since since June and and with that there are some medical expenses and all those things that you know that, that we didn't always see coming and you know we've got great insurance and we've been taken care of and, and we're good so don't 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 get me wrong we're good everything's good don't worry um, we went in, and, and most of you know that this, this chemo regimen that we've been doing wasn't working. Marion found new spots. And so what, what that meant was a new course of treatment. And so we go into the doctor's office, and we're sitting there, and she's telling us about this new incredible thing that, 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 that's just on the market, and it's just been FDA approved, and, and, and believe it's going to be a great answer for you, and, and we want to start this treatment, and, and it's going to be great. We're so excited. We just knew that, that I mean, this is, this is God. He's, he's moving in our life. This is great. We needed answers. We got answers. And then the pharmacy lady came in. And she sat down and she talked about this drug and she said, it's, um, it's $16,000 a month. And then this is what she said. And your insurance may pay a portion of it. What do you mean? <laughs> and she said, well, 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 typically, you know, insurance will cover, you know, most of it, uh, but you might have to pay a, a portion of it, you know, like maybe 20%. You know me, I am horrible at math. But I know 20% of $16,000 a month is a lot. I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a lot. And I just kept thinking, man, what, what on earth are we going to do? And I did do the math and figured out that it was $500 a pill that she has to take every single day. And I'm like, this is crazy. But here's what I also did. I didn't worry about it. Because I believe that God can be trusted. And I believe that if I am a good steward of what he's placed in my hands, I don't need to worry about all that stuff. I'm learning to live out Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. You trust God with everything. You tell him what you need. You thank him for what he's done. And let him give you peace that passes your ability to even understand it. 
So a few weeks went by and we're still trying to figure this thing out. And, and, and finally it came time for the medicine to be ordered and, and the arrangements being made. And, and we're riding down the road in the car and Marianne's on the phone. And, and, and I heard the guy say, there is a copay uh, that comes along with this drug. Uh, do you want to go ahead and take care of that over the phone? And I looked at Marianne and we're waiting, you know. 20% of 16,000 is a lot. That's all I could think about. But I didn't worry about it. And then I, I saw her face just light up. And she said, $50? Yeah, we can take care of that right now. Our copay was $50. $50 a month. And, and my son spoke up and said, I'll take care of that. I'll, got, I'll do that, you know. And I know some of you might be skeptical. And you might would say, that's just coincidence. I don't care what you say. I don't believe it is. I believe it is God demonstrating that he is a God who can always be trusted. And I don't, I don't think that it's always going to be a financial blessing. I, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not telling you, oh, when you give, you go check the mailbox because God's going to send you a check. He might. But the reality is there are so many different ways that God can bless you because of your obedience and your generosity. It's such a journey and it's such an adventure. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's one that doesn't always make sense on paper. But it's amazing how when you are faithful that God will just show up in ways you just didn't see it coming. And so here's my challenge to you. Trust God and take a tithing challenge. And there's some of you in this room, I, man, today, you could go ahead and start. You just go ahead and take that big step. But here's what I challenge you. What if, even if you haven't been able to do anything in the area of generosity, what if you started with 1%? And this month, you said, as a family, we, we want to do this. We're going to put God to the test here. And we're going to trust him in the area of generosity. And, and, and in this month that you said, we're going to do 1%. And then in the second month, you said we're going to do 2%. And in the third month, we're going to do 3%. What am I saying? Small steps over time equal big results. You know what would happen in the 10th month? You would be right where God wants you to be with your money. You'd be walking in a spirit of generosity. And I think here's what you would experience. Look at verse 11. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11 says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, here's what's going to happen. They will thank God. They will thank God. Because you were blessed to be a blessing. I don't ever want you to feel like someone is manipulating you or making you feel guilty in any way in the area of generosity. That's why I've always said, if you step out in faith and you regret it, you let us know. We'll give it back to you. Because I believe so much that God is going to demonstrate how much you can trust him. And that's why next Sunday on January 26th, we're going to receive a legacy offering on that day. 
and everything that comes in the door, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to give it away. We're just going to bless others with it. And we've identified six different things that we will invest in as a church. Here's the first thing. We're going to invest in Riverbend Middle School. We're going to identify needs in this community and in this school, and we're going to respond with financial generosity. Here's the second thing we're going to do. We're going to assist in a church plant in Wilmington, North Carolina. Just like people have invested in North Park Church through the years, we want to be faithful and invest in others. We help three church planters launch this year. In fact, next Sunday is their one-year anniversary. They exist today because you've been generous. We're going to invest in the Church of God Home for Children, an orphanage in Kannapolis, North Carolina that we've been connected with for years. We're going to invest financially in children who need somebody to love them. And we're going to do so with every bit of generosity we can. We're going to continue to invest in our leadership development efforts in El Salvador, but this year we're also adding Ecuador to that list. I met an incredible couple in Brazil uh, named Jason and Kristen Schuring, and they are church planting in the rainforest of Brazil. Takes two days to get where they even are. We're going to invest financially into them because I want to demonstrate to them that they matter to God and they matter to us. And I kept thinking, there's one more. There's one more. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then last Sunday morning during fellowship time, one of our DKM kids caught me right in the middle of high-fiving everybody and looked up at me and said, Pastor Anthony, you and I need to talk after church. I said, is it good? I was nervous. And he said, it's really good. And he broke me down with this need. And I want you to take a look right here. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. water to lack of toilets. Kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. Or you could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the lives of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink and we will continue fighting until that happens. Hey, would you give a big hand to my friend Graydon? You look sharp, dude. Why don't you tell them about this experience? Tell them what this is all about. Okay, so there's this company called Charity Water that my mom showed me about uh, when she got home from work one day. And so what they do is they go across the world and they try to give clean water to everybody. And there are men and women and children that don't have clean water to drink every day. And they're walking for days 
or they're walking for hours just to go get clean water and their water's not even clean it's dirty it has bugs in it and so i just pray that you just hope help these people yes so when uh, when you came to me um how did the series that we've been doing how did that help you in this process so i was thinking maybe this year I can help somebody. Maybe this year I can help a di- make a difference in somebody's life. Maybe this year you can help a different make a difference in somebody's life. As we were sitting there talking, his little sister sitting right there in the front, it's looking so pretty. She she said, Pastor, when when Graydon comes on stage and talks about this, can we bring all the DKM kids in so everybody can help? And in that moment, I realized that two of our kids understand generosity on a level that many of us don't operate in. And so I said, Graydon, absolutely, you can come on stage and share this need. Because it's a valuable need, a viable need. And I believe that we can make an impact in this need together. In fact, Graydon has already put a GoFundMe page together and he's already got a lot of people donating. I've already seen it. What would you like for them to do? How can we help you in this effort? Well, since our topic for today is generosity, I encourage you guys to go out and make your own account and get funds for people across the world. Yeah, yeah. So I love what... I love what Graydon's doing. Graydon says, I'm not just going to give something that I have. Graydon's saying, I'm going to be an ambassador for the cause. I'm going to share the message and I'm going to share the story and I'm going to give other people the opportunity to invest in this as well. So imagine if we all led with generosity that way. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to give in an offering today. We're going to give you an opportunity as we do every single week. But here's what I want. I want you to go home as a family and talk about generosity. Your kids are talking about it and they've probably got some questions about it and they would probably love to know how they can make an impact as well. And as moms and dads and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, we get the opportunity as grandparents to teach them by our example of what generosity looks like. And so I encourage you with this tithing challenge, with our legacy offering. I'm not just asking you to respond by giving today. I want you to go home and have a conversation. I want you to go home and talk about it. And we always end with the same questions. Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Holy Spirit, what steps do you want me to take? And even if they're small steps over time, they lead to big results.